What's going on, everybody? This is James Grandmaster Facts Boyce, and this is another episode of the Facts Project. Today, special guest, Fabulous Mags, Erica Hardison, contributor, of course, for Huffington Post, Romper, USA Today, and also Clubhouse Room, My Superheroes Are Black. Thank you very much for being here. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really honored. I was so shocked when you asked me. I was like, for real? Okay. Look, I had, I, I, what, I do, what I do is I compile a list of people that I find very interesting and in the acts of what I want to talk to them about, because I feel like we have similar interests. I wanted to have the conversation. <laughs> let's have, let's converse. <laughs> okay, cool, cool, cool. So um, for one, um, first topic of business is as of uh, last year, uh, you actually, uh, you hit me up and you hit me to, Something that I had no idea about. I heard about the Kickstarter that happened last year and that it was pretty much going to be in our hands. But there's this book over my shoulder called Noir is the New Black. Mm -hmm. And you have a comic in it. I have a comic in it. So the comic is called Entanglement. Mm -hmm. Now, if, if you could describe this to us, I've read it multiple times. I actually even read it again before the show started. But please, if you could. Uh, I would describe it as a... Uh, Fast paced crime, New Jack swing era comic. <laughs> and, and you can obviously see that because the first snippet of um, I, I forget the detective's name because it doesn't say her name initially. Mm -hmm. Chris. Chris. Yeah. Now she's wearing an eight ball jacket. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, and bamboo earrings. And, and the scenery is Chicago 1991. Mm -hmm. now, now is the now you're from Chicago. Mm -hmm. South side, as you said, mm -hmm. is the Regal a nightclub in Chicago? Well, the Regal has a really interesting history. So the Regal was like the black Broadway sort mm. of for the South side of Chicago. So, you know, uh, Raisin in the Sun, you know, because Lorraine Hansberry, she's also from Chicago. Mm. So um, Lorraine Hansberry, Raisin of the Sun and like Serafina. But it has always been like the pinnacle of like, you know, the black Broadway or, or the Chicago version of Apollo. Like it, it has like a significance to it. And um, I thought it would be cool if, you know, I made Chicago a character because that's what I wanted to do. Like right. Chicago itself is a character in the comic. It's not just the vaccine, like things that happened here are specific to Chicago at that time. So, um, yeah, so it's basically this theater um, where a lot of Black creators entertain and it's very culture-based and, you know, uh, it's no longer open, unfortunately, but it was, you know, it is, it was actually in the background scene of Lovecraft Country. Really? Yeah. Damn, now I'm gonna have to go back and look at that. <laughs> But it, but the artist, like, she got it. Like, I was sending, you know, pictures of it because, you know, it is a historical fiction. And that that's kind of like what, you know, noir writing is. Mm -hmm. because it has a specific, um, you don't have to do it in the past, but certain uh, solutions and issues that arise uh, are kind of like intricate to noir writing. So... Right. I want to definitely put that in there. Yeah, it, 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 as far as like your first comic being within this anthology series, 
Mm-hmm. And I love when anthology series have a theme. Normally, it's mm-hmm. like it's a bunch of different stories within like just a very large, uh, large scale novel or, mm-hmm. or like in, in just in just the density as far as uh, what the book is concerned. But the entire book had similar implement implements of crime noir, all from a black res- black perspective, whether mm-hmm. whether it was your story with it, which was based in 1991 Chicago or there was some that were based in like uh, maybe 1930s New Orleans. Mm-hmm. So like even the future. Right. There, there was even some <laughs> that like built up into like this futuristic time travel. So like if to be honest, if you if you watch Lovecraft Country, if you watch that show, like it it has all those implementations in it. It has that, mm-hmm. that whole the whole scenery of segregation and how black people were treated in the past and even in the, in when that was brought forth into the future where you see those similar stories where they're where they're doing that as well it's like this this is how lovecraft country did they get do those time jumps from time to time within the storylines which was really cool it is really cool um and that's why i wanted to jump on a project like i wasn't like i didn't know fabrice i didn't know i didn't know any of these people hmm. i just uh, i actually saw the kickstarter in my work channel uh um slack right so i was like what is this this sounds really cool and i was looking at i was looking at all the people that were on it and i was like oh wow i'm back this up so i pledged right Mm -hmm. i was like this is really interesting there's a lot of people in here i was like i wonder if they got room for another new writer and i emailed them i was like yo i back y'all kickstarter if y'all looking for writers i would definitely like to jump in and it was like, you know, we have a lot of writers right now, but as time go on, sometimes people change their schedule changes. Yeah. So in the meanwhile, pitch us a story you would like to work on. And this was like in August, I believe, of last mm. year. So I was like, okay, so I thought about it. It was like, you're only going to get like five or six pages. So right. it has to be short to the point. And as a journalist, you know, I can write short news stories, but as an actual fictional story, that was my biggest challenge. Because I was like, how the hell am I going to write a five-page comic? Like, who does that? Like, I've never read a five-page comic. Right. Because <laughs> like, like, you immediately jump into pretty much the climax of, like, was uh, Sweet Hips is trying to basically, uh, I'm sorry, she was hired by Demita, her love interest mm-hmm. story, to basically find out who's been stealing from the from the club but then utterly finds out this i guess the manager at that time it just got killed yes and you see his brain splattered all on his right? <laughs> i wanted to be so bloody i told karen she's the artist i was like i like anime well at least i like horror anime i was going to talk about that because karen darbo <laughs> that's yes. the way that she the artistry that was in this is strictly manga it looks like a manga yeah, it does. She's so dope. And she's from Italy. Is she? Yeah. Wow. Trying to get her on the show and talk to her. Man. She's like working with like Boom now. I think she did um she did a Boom cover for um The Walking Dead. The the newest Walking Dead. That's she wow. did. Yeah. So she's all over the place. She's an amazing artist. To be honest, I was so nervous about the story. I was like, if this art don't kick ass, <laughs> you know, right. go look at it. Cause you know, the difference between like, 
you know, writing and, and being a comic book writer. Like not only does your, your story have to make sense, the art has to be really compelling. Like if you get a bad artist, the writing could be phenomenal, but people are going to struggle with it. Or you can have an amazing artist and have a terrible story, but people will still read it for the art. Mm. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. <laughs> because I've read some excellently drawn comic books that have been shitty. But you the page. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it looked amazing. It just wasn't written well. Yeah. Now, now let's talk about some of the people that that basically some of the other black creators that were involved with this book. Now I can read what I have here on the notes, or I could just. Simply grab this book. <laughs> Brandon Thomas, Greg Burnham, Melody Cooper, Brandon Easton, Dorfees Jean, David Walker from Bitterroot, Hannibal Taboo, Roxy Hayes, Marcus Williams, you, Greg Anderson, Elise, Elise. Like, you joined a bunch of heavy hitters on this book. Yeah, as a, as a first-time comic book writer. Because you know what? I was like, if I can get in this book... So many people are going to read everybody else's stuff. I'm just going to hope they stumble on mine. <laughs> you ain't the front or the back of the book. You're directly in the middle. So it's not like something that you could breeze by. <laughs> know what I'm saying? I was hoping. Now, as far as doing doing this, five pages, five, six pages tops. Mm-hmm. Has, the, has the itch occurred? Now you want to do more? I do. Um, I also would like to edit some graphic novels. Very good. I think that would be a a good learning tool because learning how to edit a graphic novel will give you an understanding of how to write a story. True. So, you know, jumping into it, writing it is one thing, but I think if I edit it, I think I could write better. Now, as far as your writing is concerned, being a uh, being a contributor through Fabulized Mag for Huffington Post, USA Today, uh, Romper, like doing these type of publications, does it make it that much simpler as far as the transition going into comic book writing, where you're basically oh. writing parts and settings and all that? Mm, no, not really. No. It's, just, it's, a, it's a whole different world. It's like being an intern. Mm. Um, it's a different world like nobody you know it's nice you know for other editors to know that okay yeah she can write because she's been published but writing an article and writing a comic is not the same thing True. so that doesn't you know you don't even have to be a journalist to be a comic book writer you could be a teacher a lot of comic book writers are teachers yes and they or they work you know in some type of art as a professional you know so like they're creative through and through so now if you don't mind me asking, um, when did you start Fabulize Mag? I started it officially as a publication in 2013. 2013. Yeah. Oh no, no, no. 2000 and when was the first Beyonce at the Super Bowl when she knocked the lights out? Oh. Yeah, I no, I think you're right. I think it is 2013. Okay, yeah, that was the first. <laughs> <laughs> it's like funny how you just picked that moment i was like wait hold on i'm gonna tell you why because my cover girl was beyonce's saxophone player mm, okay. so she was the girl kicking ass with the big saxophone in the back with the big afro okay when we released the issue she had this super bowl and it was like a big thing so mm-hmm. so when you describe fabulous mag as um basically um 
a publication for art, beauty, style, and culture within a blurred womanist perspective. Mm-hmm. How has that contributed to the audience? Like, how or how do you describe it to people? Well, I mean, to be frank, a lot of Black girls are nerds. They're just nerdy about different things. I'm nerdy about fashions. I'm nerdy about books. Like, the Black girl book community is, you want to know some nerds? Get into the Black book community. Like, these girls are reading everything under the sun, like, literature and they have a very expensive habit that's why i think publishers are really especially comic book publishers Mm -hmm. are really missing the mark on writing more black girl material because the girls be buying 20 dollar, 30 dollar books five or six a time a month (laughs) so you could like put out graphic novels and they will be on it but it is that's another conversation but yeah um travel girl that love the nerds food nerds girls that be in the kitchen putting together random things their own recipes you know um education nerds you know this this it's black women just do so many interesting things it's i meet more women that are nerdy than are not mm. <laughs> see, that's excellent so you see and I, I i would never say that my mom is a nerd but i think everybody has had their mom have a bookshelf Full mm-hmm. of books that they that she's read, like from mm-hmm. Danielle Steele to Coldest Winter by Sister Soldier. Mm-hmm. You know, those type of books were all over the house. And I would have never even picked it up. Me just sitting there reading comic books that she just reads all these continuously. And she's a book nerd. Mm-hmm. I you know, it doesn't have to be comics. It could be like a bunch of sci-fi shows. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And, and the thing is, even in you telling me this, you've... um Myself and you, we were both on different panels within Virtuous Kind, where you were on the one for finding black liberation th- with books. Mm-hmm. Now, now, can you tell everybody about that panel? Sure. So basically, I work with Sister Sci-Fi and we do a monthly graphic book, uh, graphic novel uh, selection. And we pick we pick um, comic books that are either in censoring black women or written by black women. So. Um, or other uh, people of color. And we've been, you know, we read World of Wakanda. And the the biggest joy for me is, you know, women who thought about reading comics but wasn't sure, or women who have never read comics before, but they're like, okay, I want to see what this sister's writing about. I want to read this Black comic book. Like, they're supporting Black comics right. consistently. Like, you know, they make sure that they're there. And there's this um, one participant. She's an older woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, much like she could be like my grandmother. Really? Or, yeah. Or, yeah. And she would sit there with her comic. And she would just talk about the panels, the coloring, and how, how the mood. Like, talking about World of Wakanda with her. Like, she, this woman has probably like 70, close to 80 years old. And she sit there and talk about World of Wakanda with her was the best like that was it for me i was like this is this is so dope (laughs) see that's excellent (laughs) the fact that normally comics are pretty much the interest a new interest on young adults and little children Mm -hmm. and the fact that you were able to introduce world of wakanda to somebody who probably didn't even think of ever picking up a comic book who who happens to be 70 years old and she is (laughs) highly interested in the art and what it means Mm-hmm. Now, even even in saying that, like, what do you feel as though the um, a lot of comic book movies, of course, ha- having the ability to broadcast to a nationwide, worldwide, international market, people that have 
not seen comic books in the past or mm -hmm. or never picked up one felt intrigued to get in the comic books by seeing the movies first mm -hmm. well wandavision is is a good example for me so like i was never really interested in scarlet witch i mean it was okay but that's not something i would go out my money and pay for myself it came across me i read it but that's not something i'm interested in but since the success of the wandavision show those comics are being sold out. Like people are buying them up. And that's kind of like what these properties want to do. They want to tease you with the visuals, with the TV series, with the movies, so you could get interested in those characters and go to the shops and buy them off the shelves every week. It's true. And with WandaVision, they've been doing it. Loki, Loki 2 has been selling more comics than usual, but that's ultimately the goal. They want people to buy the comics, you know? even though I don't think there should be weekly comics anymore. I think comics, really? yeah, I think, yeah. Cause 20 pages for five bucks a week. Come on. <laughs> and you want to buy like six different, seven different books at a time. Oh man. That's a lot. Every week. I, I, I buy a lot of comics every week. <laughs> I know. I know. It's like, it's, it's a very expensive hobby. It used yeah. to be expensive hobby but now it's like an expensive unless you get like a really good sale like on free comic book day i think i got like 50 comics for like 32 dollars from mm -hmm. comics but that's not every day right yeah <laughs> it, and the thing is it's it's debilitating on a relationship when you're paying that much for comics and and, and <laughs> your girl looks at your bank account and says what what, what is all this <laughs> it's hard to break it's like we're it is <laughs> like this this recent X-Men series, I think I've bought everything weekly. And the thing is, they branched off and have done more. And I think yeah, I'm so upset with that. I was like, how many effing runs of Marvel is there? They're like a lot, at least six or seven. Easy. Absolutely. <laughs> and the thing is, there's always the point where the writer that has created the current run ultimately says you know what i'm about to finish this and then they just pass it off to another writer and then he starts the whole thing all over again and everybody just gets excited oh my god this person's writing the book da, 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 da. and then they go it's 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 a weird thing but it makes us go back and forth with this let me ask you a question what comics are you looking forward to next month forward to next month all right so um for one, I'm looking forward to getting in the mail. Um, TJ Sterling is putting out Joystick Angels. Um, I contributed to the Kickstarter and it's coming. I think it's going to be in my hands next month where it's kind of like a space odyssey, mm -hmm. uh, uh, almost like a space opera. It's mm -hmm. a bunch of teens uh, who are pretty much out to save their parents um, from a destroyed world. They all live in space. They're pr it's pretty much like a Gundam style like uh voltron where it was a bunch of kids mm -hmm. and they're all basically just like fighting for the spirit of their of, of their families and everything like that but it's to the beat of a soundtrack so tj got his brother involved and there's a soundtrack almost like a score involved with the comic so that that's one uh as far as marvel's concerned there's uh the ryan otley don kate so ryan otley did invincible comics so mm -hmm. a lot of the Invincible series that was on Amazon, he did the comics for that, a lot of the artwork. I thought it was, what's his name? Uh, it's, it's Robert Kirk, Kirkman, who's, oh, okay. 
but he okay. but um but Ryan Otley did a lot of the uh the artwork for it. So he's doing the artwork. Oh, okay, okay. Donnie Cates is doing the writing for a brand new Hulk series after this Immortal Hulk series is done. So I'm looking forward to that because to see Hulk put into the perspective because this last run he was like it was like a psychological horror mm -hmm. and you would never think hulk in a psychological horror sense but ultimately it kind of is somebody who has like a little psyche inside of this beast mm -hmm. so that that one that one's compelling but the new story is based on him being like a raging lunatic <laughs> which makes more sense you know so those i'm looking forward to uh, I'm looking forward to um, so the Walter Mosley in the in the thing. Ah, yes. Because Walter Mosley writes crime really well. Actually, he's like one of the people that I would say, if you want to write a good mystery or a thriller mm -hmm. or crime, read some Walter Mosley. Like people know him for like Devil in the Blue Dress. Mm -hmm. He writes really good crime. So um, I'm interested in that. Um, I'm interested in uh, the last annihilation of Wakanda that's coming out. Yes, so I think that would be interesting because it's supposed to be a limited. Uh, I've been reading the lead-ins for that, so I'm like, waiting, that's that's one of them I've been waiting on as well. So there was the intergalactic empire of Wakanda. After that, kind of like ended. That was kind of mm -hmm. Coates's like final run with Black Panther. Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden, it's kind of merging with this X Men run. Mm -hmm. So you're seeing like T'Challa being met with uh, Storm, who is now like the regent of Mars at this point, and they're they're forming like a union again outside of them not being married, of course. Mm. So I'll be looking forward to that. <laughs> they, they, they really want us to do this. OK. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, as of I, I think it was last year, last year, um. Clubhouse turned into this thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so as it being an audio medium in order for a lot of people with uh, similar attributes uh, for them to pretty much find find uh, ways to talk to each other and have conversations through this audio input and have groups and and rooms where people can just like spill their guts about their most favorite things. You started a club called My Superheroes Are Black. And how has that been received? Well, okay, so I've had my superheroes are back since like 2016. So we've been on Facebook and Twitter. <laughs> so I was like, well, we got a clubhouse room. And so they just came. So mm. we just we just occupy occupying another social media platform. That's it. <laughs> and you, you have definitely occupied it because you, you do this what once a once a week, you probably like have a new topic or something like that, maybe twice, three times. Well, not on Clubhouse, but on in Facebook, yeah. We do a lot of topics and mm -hmm. We do meetups. Uh, we just had a meetup over the to see Candyman. Ah, uh, so yeah, we, it. don't spoil it. I'm not. I promise. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so we made up for that. Like, um, I think the most successful meetup we had was Black Panther in 2018. That's actually the last time I've seen a lot of them since 2018, because then the pandemic came. And mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so I I reserved 320 seats for 320 Blurreds to see Black Panther when it came out in, like, 
to see all the support. We were selling comics. We had bottles of liquor. We was giving out raffle prizes. <laughs> you, you made it a party. It was a party. We had an after party. We had like Wakanda drinks. It was a lot of fun. It was a, they gave us a write up in Black Enterprise. Where, where was this? 2018. <laughs> no, where? Where was it at? This is in Brooklyn. This is in Brooklyn. Man. <laughs> we want to do it again. We want to do it again. Um, I'm looking at options on where I want to do it, but we're definitely going to do it again. Okay. And um, we want to do a blur skate party. Nice. I actually have a skating rink like down the street from me. Well, then you need to come because everybody's gonna have their cosplay on and they're gonna be skating and we're gonna get real ignorant because that is, that's uh, what's happening. <laughs> that's what's happening. So I mean, ultimately, I guess during that time, 2018, Black Panther came out. A lot of people that had never gotten in comic books before that happened to be black got into it and they never looked back. Do you blame them? No, blame not at all. And, to, and I'm kind of glad. I, I think I said this on Instagram. I was like, I'm kind of glad that we got as ignorant as we did, because little did we know that this would be kind of like a sending off for, for Chadwick Boseman than mm-hmm. we did. Right. The, the from going to those from my comic. Yeah. You know he what signed, what I'm saying? He signed oh. my book pack the comic when he was on um, press tour. Damn. Man, you better you better mint that thing. <laughs> Put it on a wall. It was, it was uh, Coast first issue, and um, I was working um, at the Huff Post office, and uh, he was there with like Chris Evans, with you know the Civil War team yep. actors and stuff or whatever. And I was like, I didn't want to ask him. I was actually like, because I was like working. I was like, I really can't really be asking him. So I asked my manager at the time. I was like, can you please ask him for me, please, please? And he signed it. And I was like, oh, yes. Well, where's that copy now? It's in my bookshelf. (laughs) I'm serious. You better put it on a wall to get it all sealed and everything. It's going to be worth some money one day. No, they don't. Um, it wouldn't be worth any money, you know, officially because it's not authorized by the comic industry alliance, you know, gatekeepers. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. for people who know will know will pay probably pay for it. It's true. (laughs) And uh, yeah, if you said you had a Black Panther comic signed by Chadwick, somebody's gonna offer you some type of dough for it. But uh, in the meanwhile, and the thing is, I I, I didn't want to I didn't want to be a nuance or anything like this. Like, how does it feel to in this space to be um, a black girl nerd in this day and age in 2021? Scary. Mm. It's really scary. Still, I mean, once you find your community and you make a community, you're okay. But before then, if you're just out there trying to find your people, it's very scary because it's just effed up, (laughs) especially for girls that cosplay. Yes. The cos, I mean, like I tiptoe around the cosplay community. I'm not a cosplayer. Neither am I. I support the ones that I know about and I love discovering new ones. And I Mm -hmm. always like to like, you know, 
uh, post their art and stuff like that. But from what I hear about the cosplay community, it is drama times. <laughs> I, I mean, not, not, to, not to mention, <laughs> out of all the things that could happen at a comic convention, like the controversy, the, uh, the controversy around BlurredCon happened to be at a cosplay contest. No BlurredCon. We're just gonna have to be another conversation because we we could elaborate. I've I've actually had the opportunity to have Hilton George on the show, and it was it was just before (laughs) it was just before uh, BlurredCon happened. And then when all this happened, it was like I can't believe that happened. I know you didn't want to promote it no more. You like damn, like, (laughs) like yo, how did that happen? I would say this. This is probably the nicest thing I could probably say. Hilton is very good at promoting BlurCon, getting the word out, and getting people to support. And the location of BlurCon allows people who don't want to travel to New York or Philadelphia or even Chicago to stay in their like region, which is a good thing. It's needed, right? That type of that community space and event is needed. It's just unfortunate that niggas got to be pimped out to do it. Mm. You know what I mean? Because another thing that <laughs> after the fact, like talking to a bunch of comic book creators, a lot of black comic book creators that were that were looking to just like BlurCon was the first thing open. Let me just try to get like a, a, a table so I could sell my books. And then they said that they had the toughest time. Mm-hmm. And it was like it was super selective. I don't know if it was like overdrawn because they had to cancel from last year into this year and everything like that. But from what they say, they say that it's extremely tough to get a table at BlurCon. I was like, of all places, y'all can't get a table there. I saw a lot of white tables. <sighs> but then, but then there's that, that ain't my business. I didn't but, go right. because then <laughs> the conversation where they talk about, oh, anybody can be a blurred. I was like, no, that actually happened. That actually happened. Right. There's a I reason that the N is taken off and the BLs on there because there's no. This is we got a box <laughs> like, look, I wish Hilton would just cut his losses and be and reframe because there's a huge messaging messaging problem with blurry cons. I wish he would just reframe his actual intent mm-hmm. you know, because he could be appeal. He could be a black owned con. Right. He could be a black right. owned best and still operate it. But he doesn't have to you know, say is one thing when it's another. It's nothing wrong with having a con that welcomes everybody. Yeah. Okay, but... Just don't call it blur con. Just don't... I mean... Okay. Journalists. Yes. Here. Okay, so I, in all transparency, I completely was on board with BlurCon when it first, when I first heard about Absolutely. it. Absolutely, same here. I was like, I'm going, I'm going to travel. Me and the MSAB peeps was like, we're going to meet up at BlurCon. We're going to go show out. We had a panel. Mm-hmm. You know, I was even in conversations with having a party there. Like, I was going to, but I was like, it was a lot of things that was like questionable. And, right. but I still wanted to support because nothing is perfect. Right. And if you were successful one year, you could do it again. Right. right. But it was just, it was a lot of, issues behind the scene with 
a lot of black women and mm. harm was being happening and no accountability was being taken. Right. And, and, and ultimately with a lot of cons, that's always like the dark side of this mm-hmm. is that when we actually do finally meet up all this internet and social media tends to go away and we actually do get a physical meetup. Mm-hmm. Come to find out that a lot of people aren't necessarily genuine mm-hmm. to how they are propelled behind screens and phones and right right and so i was just like okay and then when he did the whole anybody can be a blurred then i was like okay so you (laughs) you know you just using words you don't really know what they mean Mm -hmm. you know if you don't want to have an all-black con no one's pressing you to do it you know but just the way you present it and how you come across is yep yeah, but, but I heard DreamCon is popping. I was just about to say, that. <laughs> <laughs> literally was the first thing on my mind. I was like, because the next week DreamCon happens over in Texas, and everybody's saying how great of a time that they had. Yeah, I, I was, I'm, I would like to go to DreamCon. I mean, Texas is like, Ugh. Yeah, but. Right. But if I could be like kind of like secluded, I guess, if I'm only going to be in the hotel or surrounding area, then I could possibly, you know, tolerate that because I don't want to I don't want to drive around Texas. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I I used to live there. I lived there for like six months. I was like, no way. (laughs) I was in San Antonio because I was in the Air Force. So (laughs) so I was there for like six months. Well, no, no, I was there longer. I was there for like a year. But yeah, no, I wouldn't suggest anybody travel around and try to explore the place. Stay your ass in Arlington. <laughs> no, be right there at the convention. Hopefully your hotel is right next door. Mm-hmm. So you got to come into the confines of the people that actually live inside <laughs> of Texas. And drink water bottles. <laughs> yeah, this is hot as hell out there. Yeah. For real. But yeah, that, that's the thing. That's, that's another Comic-Con that was almost supposedly in the same breath as BlurCon. And then people, re- like, for that being, like, I think their second year, first, second mm-hmm. year, second year, mm-hmm. they, they said they had a ball. You know, they said that the, the panel. And, and that's a con where there's plenty of Black people. Yeah. Yep. Right? No, yeah. They, 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 they operated, but they're not niching on a specific community. Yep. There yeah. was no types of inclusion of the surround. It was literally. And, and the thing is, Blur wasn't even in the title frames at all. You just kind of <laughs> knew. If you knew, you knew. <laughs> you knew, you knew. This might not be for you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I hope I hope uh, cons like that start popping up. Me too. All over. I feel like we're still kind of like hurt from yeah. Universal Fan Con. Oh my god! <laughs> you know, there's a really interesting Jamie and Hilton connection. Really? Yeah. So after the first year of um, BlurCon, Jamie was like, she was like really pissed off from Black Girl Nerds, and uh-huh. she was like, you know, Hilton stole BlurCon from her. They, they was like on like a, a panel or they supposed to be like on a board together or something like that. 
And she was saying that, you know, she, he stole the domain and they've been beefing or whatever the case may be. So when she launched Universal FanCon, I assumed that, okay, this is going to be her time to talk about her version of what a blur con should be, since I knew that's what she wanted to do. And then... Mm. <laughs> I was about to say, we, do, do, we don't talk about Universal FanCon because that... You want to talk about people pissed off on Twitter. Yeah, I've never seen people that really upset before. And you know why? Because, again, a niche community. You let you go into, you know, targeting this niche community, taking all their money. Mm -hmm. It was so many people who talked about this is my first show. I spent so much money. I'm not getting nothing back. And, like, Mm -hmm. then I think um, Black Heroes Matter they organize like a pop-up shop for people who are already in town so they can send, so they can set up their goods and sell so they can make some money back before they leave. Right. In a day or two. It's it's wild. It's one thing to get grifted. It's one thing to get grifted by somebody you actually supported. Mm-hmm. You know, that and and there is no double edged sword right to that. It's like this is point blank exactly what happened. And then you you basically saw people because back then there was no there, there was no black conventions for nerd culture right. at all. So this sounded like a great idea at the mm-hmm. time. And it was like, of course I would back this. Of course I would support this. You know, because ultimately I don't see a space for us and you just made a space. So let me go chime in, put it a couple of my coins in and see, you know, see where this goes, because I want I want to be down for this and I also want to contribute. And then to have the tables turned on you, of course, people will live it. Of course. And rightfully so, especially with no real apology, oh, real yeah. plan of action to pay back the money or at least, you know, there was just nothing. And she's just out here, you know, hanging out with celebrities. Yeah. She she still pops up from time to time and tells everybody what she got going on. And people are like, oh my God. Are you still <laughs> Remember when she was supposed to do something with BET and they canceled it right because of Twitter? Yeah, it was like, yo, you you supposed to be here? You you should man, you need to delete this whole page. Straight <laughs> <laughs> up. But, but uh, it when we look when we look at it, I mean, I just hope that there's there's more POC Comic Cons that pop up everywhere. I hope uh, people people want to do it in the future because there's so many that are out there that are not inclusive of a lot of black cosplayers, uh, black panelists, black journalists, and everything like that. Like you go to New York Comic Con, there's not one black panel. You go to San Diego Comic Con, there's not one black panel. You know, like there's there's nothing there. They might take a couple photos of some cosplayers and everything and keep it funky with them. And be like, hey, they were there. There have been more in the past couple years. I know before the lockdown, the uh, the the Afropunk panel, but you know, Afropunk mm-hmm. is also about that. You know? Oh yeah, they about that action. Yeah, but they also funny. So, um, Afropunk had a panel at New York Comic Con. Um, it was a few other black censored panels. It's not a lot though. Definitely not right. a lot. Well, see, when you're talking about like a company like Afropunk getting a panel, 
they're already a corporation. But the thing is, but the thing is, uh, New York Comic Con puts out panel submissions out to the public. Hey, Mm -hmm. we would like to have you. So then I'm sure not only just me, not only just you, but multiple, multiple black POC people are putting in suggestions, suggestions for panels and everything like that year after year. Don't get don't get an acceptance or of their submission, which Mm -hmm. is beyond crazy Mm -hmm. because they they feel as though it's going to be it's going to be some type of drama because of what they're talking about. Or maybe the pitch for their panel submission is a little too risque Mm -hmm. for the Comic-Con or anything like that. But it's not that it's not that we don't love comics. We're just as judgmental of them as they are because we love this shit. (laughs) You know, you can't be passionate about something and just be optimistic the entire time. I'm going to have a difference of opinion than you. <laughs> Absolutely. I think last year with the pandemic, they was a little bit more flexible. So I think people who were, weren't able to do um, cons, I mean, panels before they were able to mm-hmm. you know, for like an online uh panel room. And I think that's going to be going forward for a while because people are not going to be jump into cons right away not like that I like a whole bunch of people mm-hmm. so um i actually did san diego comic con this year it was my first time being on the panel um nice. i was with dr um carpenter and david walker <laughs> and um dr rodriguez and others and we talked about you know diversity in comics and you know afrofuturism and what that looks like in the you know going forward so that was a cool time i was a little nervous because it's like san diego comic con yeah <laughs> and that's the thing like if, uh, a lot of us when we do get that chance it's kind of like unexpected it's like okay yeah now i gotta do this shit oh <laughs> <laughs> i mean but you know for somebody of your caliber and everything i'm happy that that you get the opportunity to speak yeah. about diversity within within comics or even within nerd culture as a whole like the fact that you're getting that opportunity speaks a lot for how much, how many more steps we we can take. I hope so. Cause I, I want to see more people, especially black people do comics and not just superhero comics because comics is, you know, a, a medium, right? Yes. So I want to see more nonfiction comics and graphic novels by black people. Like um, Dr. Regina Hall has one out called Wake and it's about the slave revolt. Mm-hmm. Uh, Black women who have fought um, throughout slavery. Uh, it's a black and white uh, graphic novel. So I definitely want to see more graphic novels of all ages, nonfiction and fiction across the board, because I love them. <laughs> Is it now? I think it, I, did I think you told me something that that you haven't put 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 out publicly on Twitter and IG that you wanted to put out there? What was that? Oh yeah, I did say that right. Did <laughs> So, okay, Um, I am a consultant um, for uh, Stephen Curry's Literary Book Club. So um, starting next month, uh, people will be able, the books that you see selected are books that I picked. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. So I definitely have graphic novels and Afrofuturism on the horizon. And to have, I guess, one of the Sports players to be picking, you know, telling people to buy books that I selected. I think it's pretty cool. Dan, congratulations. Thank you. Absolutely. 
Man, that's that's dope. <laughs> so if, if if anybody wanted to basically uh, get in contact with you uh, through your many publications, how could they reach out to you, whether they wanted to see your work as an author uh, through through this comic series or some of the future work that you're just doing in general? How could they reach you? Um, they can always email me, um, fabulizemag, F-B-U-L-I-Z-E. M-A-G at gmail.com or hit me up on Twitter at Miss Yummy Dread M-Z-Y-U-M-M-Y-D-R-E-A-D mm-hmm. and just hit me up I'm super chill unless you're ding bad ah, yeah. yep. <laughs> you will correct somebody real quick I've seen it <laughs> <laughs> and how how often are is the my Su- superheroes of black on clubhouse uh and and also you know wow since we've been on i've been on clubhouse i'm trying to get back into it but you know time I've been on in a while but um if you're on facebook you can always join the group it's like four thousand like four forty five hundred of us it's a lot more fun here on facebook because there's more people so it's action happening every day, even when I'm not around. So somebody in there making somebody laugh or, you know, cry with laughter. I don't know. Or schooling somebody. <laughs> ah, that's excellent. Yo, it was Erica. Thank you for doing this with me. Thank you for inviting me. It was so cool. Oh, man, I yeah. I I appreciate it. Like I said, I had a laundry list of people that I definitely wanted to talk to when I first started this podcast and you exactly were one of them. So I'm more than happy to have this convo with you and I hope to have more convos with you in the future. For sure. If I definitely do something cool, I'll let you know. For sure. Okay. (laughs) All right. So this is James Grandmaster Facts voice, Erica Hardison. Thank you for joining me on the Facts Project. And we are out. (laughs) 